You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's a mailbag edition. I'm actually going to do things a little bit differently this week. You're going to get three AP Lab rep episodes. You're going to get two mailbags because there were so many questions that we wanted to split them all up and make sure we covered as many as we could. So we're going to do two episodes, and then we'll do it a little bit one, another one later uh, in the week. Not not a mailbag, just us picking what we want to talk about. But we got a lot to cover today and here to help me cover everything. First, find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, fellow fan of a Super Bowl champion, Matthew Lane. Hello, my fellow champion. Hello, Kent. When I woke up this morning... We were still fans of the world champion, Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> and it felt glorious. I actually got all the way through the NFL Films mic'd up video today. That kind of sent me through the whole roller coaster of emotions again, despite knowing what was coming, and it was phenomenal. Everything about that video is great, but if you just want to relive the emotions in only 40 minutes instead of you know a whole like 18 hours of pure agony, Go ahead and watch that instead. I know our third pal here, Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter, Barley Hop. I think also had time to watch the NFL Films mic'd up thing today. Oh, baby, I'm going to approach everything in life with the confidence and aggression that Frank Clark approaches everything. (laughs) My man talks so much to everybody. I love it so much. I love him so much. I, I had undying love for him before I watched the mic'd up video, but watching him yell at Jimmy Garoppolo the amount of money he's making and yelling at him about handing the ball off was wonderful. <laughs> wonderful. Telling a ref that the dude blocking him was soft. Had to grab the ref's attention to let him know that that dude was soft. I... <laughs> I love his energy so much. I, I, I'm adopting that as my new energy. The different personalities were great. Like you had Frank Clark talking nonstop smack. You had Tyron Matthew, who was clearly very intense and focused the whole time, but much more subdued. Like from what they showed, obviously a lot more happens that Travis Kelsey was probably on the same emotional bender every fan was. Like he was in it. He was out of it. He was up and down like crazy. And then Mahomes was probably closer to Frank Clark. He wasn't really talking trash, but he just had that same level of excitement and confidence. But it was just really cool seeing everybody's kind of different approach to the game. And you got to pick up so much different stuff on the sidelines. The best. I I love. Oh, I was going to say the best part was Frank Clark versus George Kittle blocking and it's a stretch play well away from Frank Clark and Frank gets inside of him trying to chase down the play has no business you know can't get to the play not a big deal turns around and starts yelling at George Kittle about being unable to block him George Kittle just goes you didn't make the tackle though like he's so confused <laughs> as to why Frank Clark is yelling at him I liked I like to compare what Patrick Mahomes actually said to how it looked because it looked like during that run where it was it was it Jaquaski Tart that, that he ran over? Jimmy or Ward. It was Jaquaski Tart. No, it was Jimmy ran, Ward. Or Jimmy Ward, sorry. It was Jimmy Ward. And 
watching it in in real life it looked like he was just hanging over Jimmy Ward just talking but actually he was just like he looked like he had swag but he was really like that's a great hit good job <laughs> nice like the juxtaposition of what was real and what actually happened I was a little bit disappointed I thought he just had like some hashtag championship swagger which is like nah but actually he did the he funny did. thing is the stuff that the stuff that you thought he was gonna say he said it on the way out you can't hit me down here. You can't hit me. Hit me. Try me. Like all that stuff. That's what I thought he was saying to Jimmy Ward when it happened. But no, he was kind of taking like a, like an Andrew Luck route almost. Mm-hmm. I, I I was. Well, yeah, he did. He did all that after running in the touchdown. He got all of the hit me. You can't stop me stuff out of the way. But yeah, he definitely didn't do it on the field. I just wanted to go back. I love the George Kittle, Frank Clark thing. It was like your pure WWF, like wrestling heel versus like ultimate perfect good guy. Because George Kittle was just so confused by all of Frank Clark's antics. And the best part was to start it. Like they didn't show a lot of Frank Clark's dominant reps. So it kind of looked like he was just talking trash out of nowhere. And they got to it kind of in the second half. But as you could tell, George Kittle had no idea what was happening. And it made it all that much more better. George Kittle's boring. I said it. I was not entertained by him at all. He was talking. He, there's a couple things that I will be back here. Mark my words. That was 100% because he was mic'd up. Like George Kittle in week 16 isn't like saying something like that to himself. You know, we'll get these guys next year. He's not saying that. He is doing that because he's mic'd up. You don't know that. He, he could have that J.J. Watt, Kenny Willekes energy. No, that is the J.J. Watt energy. That is sitting on a tire, dancing or singing Fort Minor during HBO because you know cameras are there. Like, th- that's the whole thing. We got to fix this. George, George, I want some real honest moments from you, my friend. It just seemed a little disingenuous. And you're going to... I mean, you lost the Super Bowl too. So, I mean, it's, it's been a rough week for you. Let's, let's go ahead and start jumping into these questions. We got a five-star review question. Um... And I, I just liked it. Uh, There's it, not much of an answer. Why did the intro music make me tear up? I think he's talking about the, the Super Bowl episode because it made me tear up too. <laughs> like I got not quite tear up, but I got a little bit emotional listening to the trumpets right before the lab started. I was like, oh man, we're champions. APNerdSquad at gmail.com. How does it feel to be a fan of the Super Bowl champion team? Still seems unreal to me. My question this week is regarding our Lizard King, Sammy Watkins. Say the Chiefs can't work out a deal to restructure his contract and cut him. What do the Chiefs do to replace him? Thanks, Tyler. I just, I think that with this draft class, I think trying to attack it in a free agent manner, you've got to find somebody on the cheap. I think that getting the kind of production that you're going to get out of Sammy Watkins is going to be difficult to find on the cheap. So I think maybe the better option here is to ride with some of the guys you got. Byron Pringles under contract. You've got McCole Hardman. You've got some guys kind of in the mix a little bit. I would draft a guy, try and obtain a good weapon. I'd kind of sneakily put it high up on the list if Sammy Watkins not back because there is such a good wide receiver receiver class I just maybe kind of target in that round two range for a guy that can come in and develop into that role that you're not having to pay you know 16 17 18 million dollars guys we're thinking way too hard about this Byron Pringle okay hear me out (laughs) 
Byron Pringle. That's all I really have. Now, I think Byron Pringle slides into more of the Demarcus Robinson role, so you will still need to replace Sammy Watkins, which means you need this kind of legitimate X receiver guy to line up on the line of scrimmage to beat press coverage, to go over the middle of the field. And for Andy Reid, that guy still does have to have a little bit of a vertical presence, so you can't just get just some tight end size guy and put him out there and expect it to work. It's got to be a guy that's a little bit of an athlete. This is why McCole Hardman doesn't fit that role. This isn't to say McCole Hardman can't be the number two wide receiver in terms of production or anything. Just you need a true X receiver to be out on the field. So I think, like Craig said, you got some options there in the second round of the draft. You might even get a good player that falls in the first round if you're feeling pretty good about the moves and free agency that you've made or something that you can go with. But you do have to look for that possession receiver at some point in time because we've seen it. Sammy Watkins plays a huge role on this team. You need to replace that style of play, not only the production, but that style of play if you want to keep having success. What I think will be interesting is that first half of the season though because of how slow it takes uh Andy Reid receivers typically to get onto the field as as rookies that learning curve how they navigate that first half of the season makes me wonder if they're going to try to bring in another receiver just to kind of stabilize things a little bit Pringle maybe someone that's from Oh, maybe Byron Pringle. Maybe that's it. Eric asks, I've read that we can roll over 20 mil, roll over 20 million in cap space that we didn't use in 2019. Is that the case? And if so, how do we only have 16 million uh, of cap space to use in 2020? So currently the Chiefs have like roughly $16 million somewhere around there. And it's actually all the rollover. I don't think it's, ex- I don't think it's actually 20 million. I believe Bearcat has kind of been on some of those numbers as far as how much can actually be roll, roll, rolled over. Uh, at chief underscore bearcat check him out because he's awesome you're probably already following him if you're listening to the show but um, I, I believe all of the Chiefs current cap space really right now is just the rollover uh, they didn't really bring they didn't really have any for 2020 they can make some moves they can get rid of Sammy Watkins to help make some more space for that kind of stuff to happen so I don't think they have a ton of space right now as we're talking uh, let's jump ahead to the Twitter questions now. Country Boy five six seven, our guy asks, "What's a realistic offer for Chris Jones in a tag and trade scenario?" Uh, we're gonna <laughs> there's a there's a lot up in the air. I know you know uh, our guy Matt Miller uh, of Bleacher Report. He said that the Chiefs are looking for a late first round pick for Chris Jones. I think that's probably about what the Chiefs are asking for. They might be asking for somewhere in the 20s, you know, some, the value of, of roughly what they got for Frank Clark, which I believe when you did the math was the value of the 24th pick in the draft. I think realistically, I think it's going to wind up being a early day two pick, an early second round pick and some change. I honestly think that's kind of where I, I, I would love a first round pick. I think that'd be great. I just don't know if if that's going to ultimately be what they wind up getting for. Remember, like with 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 D Ford, I think they were trying to set their sights higher, and they wound up settling for a 2019 second round pick a year down the road. Yeah, I think like Kent said, there you're looking at the Frank Clark kind of. That's what you're wanting in return is what you gave up to get Frank Clark. That's probably where you start. And my thing is, I know the production that Chris Jones has put out there, and especially since he plays on the interior of the defensive line, a lot of people want to push that it should be higher than that. But I think you got to take a lot more stuff 
in context with that, like kind of the, the attitude, the somewhat leadership or just setting of the tone of the defense part that goes into it. I wonder if Frank Clark's not going to have been seen as a little bit hotter of a commodity once it finally gets time to make this trade. And Chris Jones isn't seen as much as the leader, but rather a piece, which that's going to play a part. Because you've heard the Chiefs talk about how they wanted to get a certain style of guy in there. And Frank Clark clearly played a role there. So I think you start asking for that Frank Clark, which I believe was around 800 points on the newer draft trade value. So that puts you in the early 20s. And you're looking at pick 21 to 24, somewhere in that range. You probably aren't going to get just a straightforward late round one pick. Although, I mean, maybe you do. That seems like a team that just barely made the playoffs would want to make that trade to get a Chris Jones. But you might have to settle for a package of picks. They're all day two picks. And in this draft, I don't know if that's particularly a bad idea. I just think some people do need to step back and look at what a realistic value is because Chris Jones isn't getting more than Khalil Mack. So he's not getting the number eight overall pick on the draft back in return. He's going to get closer to the Frank Clark deal. I would be surprised if he gets better, but I think that's where you start with the asking price. Uh, all right, Sully Football asks, how mad are we that Anthony Hitchens' contract means no more Chris Jones, Maddie? Unfortunately, very mad because this did happen. I do think, as much as I just said about Chris Jones, I would obviously love him on the team. If he is going to take 16 to $18 million a year, by all means, fired away. I think you could be forced to pay him that 20 to 22. And if you didn't have Anthony Hitchens contract or some others, you could probably make that work. I still think it's a lot of money to invest in the defensive line. But if you could get out of Anthony Hitchens contract, play your Damian Wilson or a new linebacker instead and get to keep Chris Jones, I think you probably make that deal in a heartbeat. Yeah, I I do think you're kind of looking at an Anthony Jones versus, uh, you know, uh, Chris Jones kind of situation. Anthony Hitchens versus Chris Jones kind of situation. I do think that's kind of where we're at with this. I mean, that's just Anthony Hitchens, the way they restructured his contract, the way that they kind of set him up in here. There's no post June one uh, available here at this point because there's no CBA. Like, I think there's a little bit more flexibility to move on from Anthony Hitchens if that's the case, but he's pretty ingrained here. So that means you're going to have to pay the price with potentially Chris Jones probably moving on. I mean, this is, I think, everybody kind of relates Frank Clark to Chris Jones as far as who's getting the contract, who's getting the money and everything like that. Honestly, it's it's Anthony Hitchens. When they restructured Anthony Hitchens, they kind of put themselves in the situation where they couldn't get out of the contract in the near future. That amount of money is basically what it's going to take for Anthony, you know, for Chris Jones to be able to sign for the first couple years here in Kansas City. And that's just not something that can happen now because of that Anthony Hitchens contract. Now, they view Anthony Hitchens as kind of the leader. We've talked a lot about his ability to organize the defense and his ability to kind of uh, make everybody be on the same page up front there. But I realistically Anthony Hitchens contract is locking them in to a lot of money at the linebacker position that they just can't get out of and that I think might be when push comes to shove one of the reasons why Chris Jones isn't going to be here next year maybe Nate's oh, <laughs> Nate CH 479 could McColl be better in a more zone based route scheme than an actual route tree run more into space than a precise route that's generally how they used McColl this year. So, I mean, I would say right now he's definitely better in that role. His kind of 
biggest real route is that is a post route where he has a nice kind of bam step to fake the corner and then cuts back inside. That's his most advanced route and he runs it very well. But besides that, he doesn't run a lot of precise, a lot of timing routes, which is okay. He's a developing receiver. I think the issue is it's kind of hard to be just a zone based receiver when you're not a possession guy. When you're not an X receiver that can be physical, win over the middle of the field with your size and like high pointing ability, I think it's hard to be that guy that is known to settle down into zones and be very good in that way. And I think that kind of takes Hardman out of his bread and butter, which is getting deep. He can, you can excel in the NFL as just a deep threat. Will Fuller has a huge impact on the Houston Texans, and he's essentially a deep threat or a bubble screen kind of guy, maybe an occasional deep comeback. There's routes for McCole Hardman to be more useful, even though he doesn't advance his route tree. It's just a matter of how much do you want to just have him focus on getting better at those things versus advance into a full route tree. But as far as, like I said, the zone spacing, I think that's better for guys that are a little bit bigger than he is. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And like Maddie said, you know, we we talk a little bit about McCole Hardman being wide receiver two, and midway through the season there, there was a lot of discussion about he should get Sammy's reps at wide receiver. Like, no, you've got to have that guy who can run those precise routes. You've got to have that guy that can gain separation, that can be a little bit more of a possession receiver. And I do think that McCole Hardman, that's how he succeeds, is running into space, finding stretch plays, you know, being able to kind of stretch the defense in a way that other guys can't. Now, Tyree Kill obviously is elite and fast and everything like that by by being able to line up McCall Hardman in the slot or maybe opposite of Tyree Kill, you make teams have to play split safety looks if you can run go routes all day long. That helps lighten the box. It helps move things in the center of the field. It just makes you have to make a decision because you don't want to leave a guy that fast that can run like that in space too much space with Patrick Mahomes behind center. So I think that the way that they're using him is good. I'd like to see him get a little bit more on the same page as Pat, but it really is a situation where I think that the way that they're implementing him is his future in the league, and it's not a bad future to be in. I don't I don't think just, you know, having him find spots and zones, sit in spots and zones, I don't think that's going to play to his strengths. Like, you don't want that being McCall Hardman's game. And you want him running at full speed, challenging, threatening the defense vertically with his speed. That's the way for him to, to have success in this league. Um, and if teams continue to pay a ton of attention to, to Tyreek Hill, that could give him more opportunities. But he's, I think he's got to be stretching. He's got to be up to full speed. You want him catching in, in, in the short game. You want him catching drags. You want him, you know, st- staying at top speed. You want him running, you know, speed cuts, trying to find routes where he can run speed cuts. If we can really work on a nice dig for him out of a speed cut, that would be a valuable tool in his tool belt. Comebacks, uh, posts, verticals. You got to be challenging with, with those, with those, with those speed routes. Keith McLean, how much will player turnover on D- on offense and defense affect our ability to return to the AFC Championship game Super Bowl? I don't think the turnover on this roster is going to affect this football team's ability to make a run again. I think, yes, there are going to be some painful moments here, and it's going to be a turnover on some key players. But I do think with the injection of young talent with the draft, I think with Patrick Mahomes getting another year here, I think 
Anything is on the table as early as this year. I think that they can make a run. And I don't think the roster is completely barren either. There's some spots that they're going to have to address. But I think that they can make a run with about what they have right now because they have Patrick Mahomes. I think it depends almost entirely on how they replace the turnover. Like there's going to be a fair amount of turnover on this team, but I think if they do it the right way, they should get the capital, whether that's cash or draft capital to fix those needs and they can make the team better in other ways. And yeah, it might take till the midpoint of the season, but they'll figure it out next year. I don't think this is going to be a Super Bowl team that misses the playoffs. And then once you're in the playoffs, you have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, so on and so forth. You're going to probably have a chance to make a run again. It's just a matter of making sure you hit. If you spend a lot of money on one big name free agent, whether that's Chris Jones, whether you go out and sign another high priced free agent like a Byron Jones, then that means you have to be nearly perfect with your mid to low tier free agent signings with the guys already on the team with your limited draft picks. So if you go that route, you just can't miss a single one or you are going to run the risk of throwing a wrench in it. It's just a matter of how Brett Veach decides to replenish the roster after some of these guys get lost. See, I'm opposite of these guys. I think it will affect their ability to go to the AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl because there's going to be more talent on this roster, frankly. I, I think that they are going <laughs> to have a better chance than they did this season. You know, they they went through a lot of adversity. They went through a lot of guys. They had to really reach back on their depth a lot of times here. But overall, I don't think that the talent level this year is going to be as high as it is next year. I think they're going to make upgrades at cornerback. I think that they're going to address linebacker. I think that they're going to address the offensive line. Obviously, if they move on from Sammy Watkins and Chris Jones, that's going to hurt. But I think that they're going to make marginal additions to try and offset some of those things. So I think the sum of everything is going to be a better, more talented squad that fits what this, you know, what this team wants to do, particularly with Steve Spagnuolo on defense. It's really hard to rebuild the defense in an offseason. And they certainly tried last year. Now you get to stack another one with this group of assistant coaches, with this, you know, new defensive coordinator here, you get an idea, your scouts get an idea of what those guys are looking for. I bet that the talent level is going to be better and fit better with what Steve Spagnuolo and company want to do. So I think that they've got a better chance to get back to where they were this year. Just a quick reminder that Steve Spagnuolo typically has not utilized or coveted players like Chris Jones. Just remember that. He's a great player, but that's not typically been Steve Spagnuolo's MO for players like that. We're going to take a break, and we will be back right after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, 
and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to the Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we're continuing answering your questions. We've got a lot. We're going to be doing two mailbags uh, here this week. So we're going to start with this one. Ready Aim Lion asks, who is the most logical fit, not necessarily the best player to be drafted at Will Linebacker considering draft capital needed, Craig? I'm going to take the one that these guys are both thinking of right now. Zach Bond oh, great. out of Wisconsin. <laughs> I, I think that... I, Patrick Queen, Ken Murray are going to go high. Isaiah Simmons is going to go super high to, you know, he's more of a safety. Not but a linebacker. Steve, <laughs> Steve Spagnuolo has a, a type for a linebacker. He likes heavier guys. He's not necessarily looking for the best, most, most athletic guy out there. But Zach Bond is an athlete. He played at edge at Wisconsin. We got to see him play off ball in the senior bowl. And frankly, he looked really comfortable in his zone drops. He looked very comfortable in coverage. He looked comfortable reading between the tackles in the run game as well. I would be more than happy to address that position with Zach Bond late in the draft. I, there's been a lot of conversations about where he's going to go. If he's there at 32 and he is the best linebacker on the board, I wouldn't think twice about pulling the trigger on Bond. Like Craig, I'm going to assume that Patrick Queen, Kenneth Murray are probably off the board. He took my guy, Zach Bond. I, Bond, I've been pushing this narrative in our group chats for a while now. He's kind of becoming my guy, the guy that I would like probably the most in the first round at this point in time because of everything Craig said. But that's okay. I got a backup. I'm going to say Troy Die out of Oregon. He's a little bit lighter than Bond is, but you wouldn't tell by watching him. He'll step into a gap and he'll fill a hole. He'll take on a pulling blocker with his hands and he'll blow him up right there in the hole. For a relatively slighter linebacker, he's got some power in his hands. He may not be the best athlete. He's definitely a long strider, so he's not the quickest in terms of changing direction. But he's got a real good natural feel for coverage. He's made a ton of plays on the ball throughout his career at Oregon. He's probably one of the most decorated linebackers in coverage coming out this year. I think he's a guy you could probably get at the end of round two, maybe even into round three. But he just kind of has that combination of ability to stick his nose into an interior gap as well. He's just already good in coverage. He maybe doesn't provide that top-tier athleticism that we as fans want to see, but I think that's secondary to what Spags wants versus the ability to fill interior gaps and then show some coverage ability. Thanks, guys. Those were the two places I wanted to go. I'll just... <laughs> so so I'll just list off the four others that I like at the end of, oh. you know, round five. That Oh, oh okay, never mind. Uh, I think if like let's, I'll just go with like a, a day three kind of dive. I'll go with Evan. Uh, not Evan. Yikes! <laughs> I'll I'll go with uh, I'll go with Logan Good Wilson. Uh, 
I think I think he's a marginal improvement from an athleticism standpoint, from a coverage standpoint, from you know, uh, from from what they have at the will right now with Damian Wilson. I think he's an upgrade. I don't think he's like a massive upgrade. But if you're looking at a guy on day three that can at least improve the position to some effect, I think he could be available potentially in the fourth round. That might be a guy you take a swing on. Uh, but again, I don't think he's a major improvement from a coverage perspective, from an athleticism perspective, all that stuff. Graver Tanner asks, how does Martinez Rankin, Nick Allegretti, and Greg Sanat factor into the offensive line for 2020? And are you looking for an upgrade to Ryder? Yes, looking for an upgrade to Austin Ryder or any of the positions along the interior. I'm okay as long as one of the position gets upgraded with an early draft pick or a free agent. I feel a lot better, but I would look at Austin Ryder. I think center's the most important of those three positions, especially the way Andy uses them. I think Martinez Rankin's definitely in the driver's seat for a starting job. I think they liked what they saw of him. You've heard coaches talk about him. They seem to really like him, and his play got better the more time he got. Sanat doesn't do a lot for me. I think Nick Allegretti's in the mix, but I like him more as a depth guy that can just play multiple positions. And actually, I wanted to throw out there, Jackson Barton, an offensive tackle, they kind of signed from the Colts practice squad. I think he's a guy to keep an eye on as your potential swing tackle that kind of takes over Cam Irving's role. Although Cam Irving was a lot of fun on the sideline. Like, I might keep him around just for how fun (laughs) he is on the sideline. Yeah, just don't let him play. <laughs> just don't let him play. It's those guys. And Matt and Maddie hit them all. It's those guys. So here's the thing. I, I, I think all those guys have a chance to. I think Gregson has a chance to make this football team. I agree. Jackson Barton has a chance to make this football team. Martinez Rankin, uh, I do believe, is a starter for this football team when they when they line up week one. I think it's amazing that they got him for two more years they got three total years for him of him for carlos hyde thanks bill o'brien see if you can fleece him for more things something that i do think is interesting the chiefs have potentially 11 offensive linemen already on their 90 man for next year they've got some familiarity they've got some depth they're going to have a large pool to pull from including whoever they wind up taking in free agency and in the draft as far as you know options at the offensive line they've got a lot of you know good choices there peter y golf asks at the end of his career will patrick mahomes have more mvps or statues of himself in kansas city well he's already got a shrine in my backyard uh so i i mean there's one uh and then the one that's going to be outside of arrowhead he's going to have six mvps there's not going to be any more statues chief boy rdg uh asks which players do you think will make a developmental leap over this offseason, I'm particularly excited to see if Frank Clark can get anything out of Bashad or Abreden Speaks and possibly help motivate him to be the best version of himself, even if it's just a rotational defensive lineman. I hope that happens too. I'm not going to hold out hope, but if there's anybody that can motivate a teammate, it's probably Frank Clark. I got a couple guys here that I'm thinking about. I think I'm going to go with Rashad Fenton. Especially, I think he could start to eat into some more reps as the outside cornerback, whether he's taken away some from Ward or whoever they have across from him. But I, I just like his feistiness out there. I think he looks a lot more comfortable as an outside corner. He plays a little bit of an edge, and he kind of fits really good into what Spags and Dave Merritt are asking of these guys. So I think as long as he gets the chance, which I think he will earn, I think he'll be a guy that shows a lot of improvement from his rookie season. I'm going to go with Juan Thornhill. We saw Juan coming on at Ooh, the end baby. of the year. 
The sky, the sky is the limit for Juan Thornhill. We're going to see him be a better player. He's learned so much from Tyron Matthew. The game started to slow down right at the end of the season for him. He talked about how things didn't seem so fast anymore. His ability to kind of square up, take the right angles, read the ball in the air, you know, at the NFL level, that was coming to him right at the point that it was taken from him. I expect him to work as hard as he possibly can to get back and be as healthy as he can. Good Juan Thornhill even makes this a more drastic improvement on the defensive side of the ball. I'm excited to see what year two for Juan looks like. Imagine if Juan Thornhill takes that jump and Tyron Matthew and him are back there. Yikes. (laughs) Good luck. And and a, a, a an upgrade in talent at cornerback, for me, guys. Our 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 pal Therese Paler, what does he always say about the contract year? It's undefeated. It is undefeated. I see a guy who had a uh, had a kind of resurgence in his career this year, who's on a contract year next year, and that's Tano Passanio. I think he finally found a niche. He finally found a role. He got a lot of opportunity. He's got championship swagger now, and he's now going to be playing for his money. Two sacks in a uh, in the AFC Championship game. He's 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 made improvements over the you know over the entire season. I think he continues to ascend. I think he goes and earns his money. MC Reach. Would you expect a low-profile running back signing? Damien seems poised to be the lead back next year, but could the backfield use another capable body? Examples, Austin Eckler or Kenyon Drake. I mean, and we actually got this question from Donnie Couch via the email as well about Matt Breida, you know, looking for a low signing. I know Matt brought up Matt Breida last week. I would expect that they, they might address it and that might be the only spot that they do. Now, if they find a guy that falls late in the draft, I could see them maybe addressing it there. But I think they like the bodies that they have in the building. I think they like the guys and they're willing to develop them. We know that Andy Reid doesn't spend a whole lot of assets on running back. Now, that's not to say that he won't, but... I think it's a situation where he's seen what he can do. He's seen the sort of impact that the guys that can, you know, that are in house already can make. If he can get a good deal on one of these guys, these veterans looking to kind of rebound on a one-year deal and then move on to get a bigger contract, I think we might see it. But I wouldn't expect to see Andy Reid paying a running back big dollars unless, you know. Unless he's just decided that he's all in and this is his last year and he's just going to spend up all the assets while he can. Yeah, I think a guy like Austin Eckler or Kenyon Drake is going to be kind of out of the price range that I would expect them to see. I think those guys are going to get paid near starting or at least like 50-50 timeshare kind of money. I would look much lower. I don't even think you're going to pay a guy backup level money, but you're paying a guy to come in and compete. But I mean, like Craig said there, I would love to see Matt Breida come in here and just compete, see what happens. Or another guy, I don't know what his market's going to look like, but Chris Thompson, running back receiver out of Washington, I believe is a free agent. Just someone like that. He would add another completely different dynamic. He would actually be the perfect running back for how the Chiefs use it since they only ask you to run like three times and the rest of it's an RPO. But like someone like that, just (laughs) come in, give him a chance to compete and see what happens. Sure. I mean, why not? 
So the Chiefs have six running backs already on their 90-man roster. Damian Williams, Darwin Thompson, Daryl Williams, Mike Weber, who they signed in the reserve future contract, Elijah McGuire, reserve future contract, Marcus Marshall. They've already got six. I almost wonder if some of those um, flyers that they've taken is just to help keep them from making any investment at all at running back and just seeing what you have with the competition in the room and maybe adding an undrafted free agent into the mix after the fact, honestly. Uh, just thinking about that. Maddie, Chief England asks, would you be interested in signing David jo- Johnson if the Cardinals cut him? The one guy that I would be willing to pay a little bit of money to it, not a lot, because he definitely has to come back and prove that he can still play and he has not become whatever we saw out of the Redskins here, Reese, or Redskins out of the Cardinals running back here recently. But if he's cut and he's a free agent, he's making plenty of money. He's probably going to be willing to go somewhere for a little bit less. It's about as much money as he's going to make from the Cardinals. Yeah, give him a shot. Why not? He can. He's a great receiver. He fits the mold that the Chiefs would like to use out of a running back. Give him a chance. See what happens. I'm going to read a couple of these off real quick. Great Googly Mo asks, if a train leaves New England traveling west... Or is it Northeast? No, it's New England. Traveling west at 60 miles per hour and a train leaves KC 16 hours after traveling east at 90 miles an hour. How long until Patrick LeVon Mahomes II shatters all of Brady's records and officially becomes the GOAT and we no longer have to endure the insufferable Pat's Homer's insecurities? Some OG83 asks, if in Mahomes 36 games starts or starts including playoffs, is it fair to say he has a better career so far than Tom Brady's first 36 game starts? I, I wanted to just address both of these. Yes, Patrick Mahomes is outdoing what Tom Brady did in the same amount of time. Both of them in their age 24 year seasons won a Super Bowl. I believe they both won a Super Bowl MVP. Patrick LeVon Mahomes already has the Super Bowl MVP. He already has the uh, one-time All-Pro, two Pro Pro Bowl appearance uh, uh, awards given, uh, a passing title, a touchdown title. He has already whooped Tom Brady in the first 36 games. He's got the playoff experience. He's got the title. He doesn't have the pressure of getting the first one. Tom, you are on notice, my friend. Patrick LeVon Mahomes is coming for you. He got the first one too quick, and now you need to be shook, and all of the Northeast needs to be a little bit shook because the king of the Midwest is coming to take your title. Brad K. Porter asks, as an Iowa fan, how big was Ben Neiman's fourth quarter pressure on Jimmy Garoppolo that forced a throw and his fourth quarter rocking tackle on kickoff coverage? I mean, we got a lot of Iowa fans that that follow us, by the way. We we see a lot of you guys. We, we see you out here, especially when we get talking draft, you know, draft stuff. You guys are out here. Listen, that was awesome. Ben, ben Neiman was fantastic on those two plays especially he that delayed blitz sitting and selling his zone drop and then tucking behind the defensive tackle and looping around jimmy garoppolo still hasn't seen him coming on that blitz that was fantastic (laughs) and it forced an errant throw there and yeah neiman's been great on kickoff returns punt returns like he he is a wonderful special teamer. That's where he's stuck on this team. That's where he's made his most important contributions in this team so far. And that's not trying to be a knock to him. He's an excellent special teamer. So I, I think that, yeah, that's that's wonderful. Ben Neiman is going to stick around as a special teams guy as long as possible. Uh, Steve Spagnuolo certainly trusted him in coverage over some of the guys like Dorian O'Daniel, Darren Lee, that 
came with certainly more fanfare than Ben Neiman does. So I would expect him to stick around as long as Spagnuolo and Dave Tobe want him. Brett R four asks, "How would the 2017 season have ended if Mahomes had started the whole year?" I love this question. Well, they would have won a playoff game. That's that's oh. for certain. Um, I I think that there would have been some some growing pains with Mahomes. I don't think he was ready. I think he needed that year in the system. He needed to learn the way that things were going to operate with the Chiefs. But there at the end of the year, there. I think that he does enough to win at least a playoff game. And simply by just being Patrick LeVon Mahomes and everything he touches seems to just go the Chiefs' way, that Derek Johnson force fumble would not have been ruled forward progress. So they definitely <laughs> would have won that game. Yeah, I think the tricky part would have been making it to the playoffs if you had Patrick Mahomes start the whole year. I do think that he needed some time to settle down, figure out everything that was going on. I, we haven't really seen Patrick Mahomes be completely overwhelmed since we, as fans, have been watching him. I do wonder if you threw him to the Wolves there immediately, if that would be the case. But if you essentially just got to the playoffs and then or got to that Denver game, let Patrick Mahomes play that game, come out, let Tyler Bray almost lose it, put him back in to win it, and then let him start the playoff game, yeah, they were still playing into the playoffs at least past that first round. Okay, so I think he would have started his career off playing the two teams that wound up in the Super Bowl. The, the at, at New England, and I believe they played the Eagles the very next week. That is a tough task to throw into the fire. But I will say this. They probably beat the Titans if he starts that game. Like, if he starts week 17 of the season, I bet you they beat the Titans. I bet you they win the first playoff game. So, I mean, I, I don't know. But I don't know if they make it to the playoffs with him. And then you wouldn't have gotten, you know, Kendall Fuller, who makes the play in the Super Bowl. And you probably wouldn't have gotten Derek Nottie because you wouldn't have had those draft assets from trading Alex Smith because Alex Smith's value would have been significantly less because he didn't have his career year. All right, that is going to do it for today's episode. We'll be back with some more mailbag questions later in the week. Catch you later. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement.